today on Ag News Daily. Focus on, you know, the positive things that, are, that, that I guess that they're trying to bring to life in this instance. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Friday here on the Ag News Daily podcast coming at you today. Delaney Howell and Mike Pearson, as always. Mike, there is a big headline that I think we've just got to talk about here right off the top of the podcast. Absolutely, Delaney. It is not a Friday for Qasem no. Soleimani, who was the former head of the Iranian Quds Force. They're uh, basically uh, their secret agent, specialized army. He was in charge of everything that Iran did outside of the country, and uh, he's in pieces. He was uh, blown to smithereens at an airport last night, and that has put the market into a bit of turmoil today, as investors are wondering what this is going to mean over the weekend. Uh, Iran, of course, is threatening retaliation. President Trump basically said on Twitter, bring it on. And, um, you know, we don't know where things are going to go. So no. there's certainly some uncertainty in the market. Absolutely, there is. And I don't know if this is going to be enough to be a black swan event. I think time will tell. But I, I've also been seeing people on Twitter saying, oh, this is going to be a World War Three. You know, I don't know that it'll get that bad, but you never really know what's going to happen with uh, those people over there. No, uh, you know, that's the thing. The, the Middle East is a powder keg, and yeah. uh, it has been an uncertain uh, s- a series of, of events in Iraq. And uh, now we are pretty darn sure, since uh, Soleimani was there, that uh, Iran was behind it. And yeah, things are definitely going to get interesting one way or another. And this weekend could be big. We could come in Monday to a very different set of circumstances. And uh, I would just, uh, you know, here in the heartland, have to kind of wait and ride it out. Yes, we do. And the commodity markets do as well. And we'll get to that here in just a little bit, Mike. Another big story that we are continuing to follow that I know you brought up on yesterday's podcast is what's going on in Australia right now with their wildfires. We saw insurance claims so far have totaled $297 million so far and are going to more than likely continue over the weekend. We also saw the Victorian government has officially asked the army to help bury the carcasses of tens of thousands of farm animals killed by the state's devastating bushfires and... We are continuing to see those emerge as a problem. A lot of dead livestock, a lot of pictures I've seen are really unpleasant, similar to what we saw here in the United States um, a couple of summers ago when we saw all of those wildfires spread across the plains and whatnot. But so far we've seen more than 50 agricultural Victorian public services are on the ground in those fire zone areas to help try and get livestock out. They have obsessed livestock at more than 100 properties. They have just been buried in the amount of work and effort it's going to take to try and contain these wildfires as well as, unfortunately, get rid of some of the remains of those animals. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is devastating. Uh, you know, like we talked about yesterday, yeah, thirty percent of koalas are gone. It's uh, it's definitely in so many dairy farms. I was reading a, a post on Facebook. There was a video I, I couldn't bring myself to watch it of uh, the wildfires overtaking a one thousand cow dairy mm. in New South Wales, and it it completely leveled the dairy in a matter of minutes. And uh, the Government did say that typically the extreme heat uh, kills people before kills people and animals uh, before the fire reaches them. So I, I guess mm-hmm. that's a a cold comfort um, 
ironically speaking, in this kind of environment. That's really, that's hard to, hard to hear about, honestly. Not very Friday news at all, Mike. No, actually, there hasn't been much Friday news no. today, Delaney. You know, I guess, I guess, you know, killing a really bad guy is, uh, is a Friday worthy, just not for him. No, I suppose that's true. Um, well, I'm going to keep the uh, the disappointment train running. We have a, a report out today from the Institute for Supply Management. They do an index of national factory activity. And remember, folks, a lot of factories are in rural or semi-rural areas. And it fell to 47.2 last month. It's an index, so it's basically just numerical factor based on the reportings by management. Uh, that's down from 48.1 in November. And the reason I want to bring this up is this is the lowest reading since June of 2009, when we were deep in the recession. So this has, has traders concerned. It has economists concerned. It's perhaps further proof that these tariffs that have been, uh, you know, the tit-for-tat tariffs with China and with uh, South America and with Europe really aren't doing a lot of favors for American manufacturing who was, you know, supposedly one of the groups that were going to benefit from it. So and that, was, that was some bad news there that definitely helped uh, Wall Street sell off earlier today, which ordinarily might lend us some excitement that that mod money could come into the commodity markets. But it didn't do that either today, Delaney, because we had some bad news yeah. on the export sales side as well. It was just kind of a downer day all across the board. That it was, Mike. Down day for sure. And we saw that, of course, echoed throughout the commodity markets. I think really the only market that's finishing up on the day is the oil market and metals. Right. Yep. You're exactly right. Um, and I do believe, if I still have my charts handy, that, uh, yeah, you are exactly correct. I was seeing if there was uh, anything else that paired its losses and round up in the green, but no, it was it was those two. Um, I did want to hit on real quick the export sales report that was released today rather than yesterday. Um, corn was fine. Sales were down over the past uh, previous week, and they're down over the four-week average, but they were about 531 metric tons, 531,000 metric tons, rather, um, which is, you know, more or less what analysts were expecting. Wheat sales were down substantially, 312,000, almost 313,000 metric tons, again, substantially lower than expectations. But the real loser, sadly, was soybeans. Uh, sales for 1920 marketing year were 330,000 metric tons, and that is the lowest export sales total of the year, of the marketing year, the 1920 marketing year, uh, to date. So that was definitely some news that was weighing on the commodity markets as well besides just investors having a general risk-off sentiment heading into today. Mike, explain to us what the risk-off sentiment means. So basically, there are a couple of ways that uh, traders analyze the markets. If it's a risk-on sentiment, that means they're willing to put their money in riskier places. And uh, that that riskier place could have, you know, it could depend very much on, you know, what, what type of risk we're looking at. We've been in a risk-on environment in the stock market for the better part of the past year. Things have been looking good. There hasn't been a lot of risk for a correction. So more and more money has piled into equities. Um, today, what we saw happening was investors got very concerned about the risk of warfare 
and that one made them want to take risk out of the market. So the way they do that is they sell their holdings and they put that money on the sideline or into different assets like Delaney you mentioned earlier, oil and, and uh, gold or silver. And that was what the trade was doing today. So they were taking risk off, taking risk out of the markets. And uh, that caused prices in both the equities and most of the eggs to uh, deflate throughout the day. Okay. Thank you for that explanation. I mm-hmm. appreciate it. Yeah. Well, what other news do you have for us, Delaney? Well, this is something that kind of fell through the cracks at the end of the year here before Congress went into their recess. We know, of course, that they passed quite a few different spending bills for fiscal year 2020, as well as just a couple other big pieces of legislation. And one of those came from the American Farm Bureau Federation, really lobbying, it sounds like, Congress to fix health care insurance for farmers and ranchers and other small businesses And basically what they have done, the new spending bill that Congress passed just before the holiday break, lawmakers included a permanent repeal of the Health Insurance Tax Act, which basically was part of the Affordable Care Act. And um, American Farm Bureau said that really the tax increased health insurance costs for rural America by imposing a levy on the net premiums of health insurance companies, which is then passed to the consumers. And so... We're going to see that retroactively reinstate and kind of go back, so to speak, here. So the I think, tax is going away. Yes. Yep. Have we'll they kind voted of see on it, it already? Or? It's already passed as part of the spending bill that was passed before the holiday break. So I think January 1st is technically when that should have been repealed by the Affordable oh. Care Act. All right. Well, very exciting. Hopefully we've got some uh, some money saved there in rural America. I sure hope so. Health insurance. I just am so amazed when I talk to people who have private health insurance. It's just disgusting the amount of money that you really do have to pay in. Oh, yeah. It's absurd. I'm jealous of people with health insurance. I'm very much looking forward to the ranks of rejoining them someday. <laughs> Um, let's see, I've got just one other piece of news coming out of Iowa. Delaney, did you see this? Bungie has said they are going to sell yes. their 13-year ownership interest in the Southwest Iowa Renewable Energy, or SIRE, ethanol plant outside of Council Bluffs. They said they are still going to be purchasing, I believe it's 100% of the ethanol produced. They've uh, they've got a commercial agreement uh, going ahead. They're still going to be involved in the ethanol industry. They just don't want to be owners of mm-hmm. ethanol ethanol assets anymore. And this is a trend we've seen across the uh, the global commodities trading stage as ADM has exited uh, ethanol, Cargill is looking at or has exited ethanol, and uh, Louis-Dreyfus. I don't know how much of a participant they were in the ethanol asset ownership business, but uh, they're, they're just not hungry for those asset classes any longer. Yeah, and I was reading an article too that said largely the reason that a lot of those companies are getting out is of no surprise, but it's the EPA hardship waivers has just really made it hard for some of those big players to find it profitable. And a lot of them are selling off and getting out of that market. Right. Yep, absolutely. It's been uh, three years of very tough losses and things aren't getting a whole lot better as we look to the future since there's so much uncertainty about these SREs. Absolutely, Mike. It really makes you wonder too, are we going to see ethanol get to a point where nobody wants to be part of the the market and we just see it go away completely i don't i don't think and you know of course you know that's famous last words but i don't Mm -hmm. believe we'll ever get there and the reason i don't think we will ever get to that point is because ethanol has a crucial 
part of the American fuel supply, which is it is an oxygenate to fuel. We add it to uh, reformulated gasoline, it gets blended into it, and it allows it to burn differently. And I don't understand the science behind it, but it is a very cheap way to add octane to a fuel, and it replaces a product that was in use for years called MTBE, Mega Tertial Butyl Ether, something like that, that uh, we learned 15, 20 years ago causes cancer. And ethanol is a perfect replacement for it. So ethanol will always be in existence. The question is, can we convince consumers to use higher ethanol blends mm-hmm. uh, for one reason or another? And, you know, I know we've talked to Ted Seifert about it. He's got thoughts on using higher ethanol blends to power more powerful vehicles because it burns cooler. You can pack a lot more fuel and air into an engine to make a turbo thing go. I I don't get it, but Ted does, and the science seems to support it. But, uh, you know, or just to save money by burning E15 or E20. It is certainly a cheaper option. So I think ethanol is always going to be there. It's just there are investors, usually local farmers, who are willing to hold on to that asset as a value add, as as a way to diversify their operations. And that's what I believe has happened with Sire, the uh, ownership Mm -hmm. stake that Bungie had has been sold back to local area producers who now I understand own 100% of that production facility. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a quick rundown of ethanol. What do you (laughs) say? Should we tack the market, Delaney? Yeah, let's do it. All right. And as I'd mentioned, folks, it is a red day in the grains and the livestock markets. But let's start with the grains here. March corn closed down five and a half cents at 386 even. May contract down five and a quarter. Closed the week at 392 and three quarters. In soybeans, it was a big day down, though they did come off their losses after about midday of the trading session. The March contract dropped 15 cents, was down 18. So we did bounce back a little bit. Finished the day at 941 and a quarter. November down nine and three quarters to close at 970. Even in the wheat pit, Chicago wheat March down five and a half cents at five fifty four and three quarters. The May down five and a quarter, closed at five fifty eight. Even looking over at livestock, we were back and forth in the day, and then ended up markedly lower in all classes of cattle and in lean hogs. February live cattle down a dollar to close at one twenty four seventy two fifty. April down eighty cents, finished the week at one twenty five sixty seven fifty. In feeder cattle, the March contract dropped a dollar. Closing closing at 142.67 half. April down 97 half, finishing at 145.52.50. And in lean hogs, front month February limit down $3 daily trading limit lower to close at 68.55. The April down $2.85 to close at 75.15. And in dairy, we see the January contract dropping 13 cents in class three milk to close at 16.93, with the February down six to close at 17.02. Delaney, why don't you tell us who we're talking to in today's interview? Well, Mike, as uh, you all know, I'm sure, and watched probably some of the Rose Bowl or the Rose Bowl Parade, Chipotle made headlines this week by partnering with Nyman Ranch. We're going to talk to one of the young farmers that was part of that parade and commercial, if you saw that. Otherwise, you can find it on Facebook. Just Google Chipotle Nyman Ranch commercial Rose Bowl 2020. But we're going to talk to Kelsey Cruz about her experience there in Pasadena. Well, for any of our football fans out there, you've probably watched or maybe you've seen now on social media the hubbub around the Rose Bowl Parade advertisement done by Chipotle and Nyman Ranch Farmers. And we've got one of those Nyman Ranch Farmers 
With us today, Kelsey Cruz, whose family farms in southwest Iowa, Nyman Ranch Farm family, and Kelsey and her brother Dane were part of the Chipotle Rose Bowl Parade experience. Kelsey, before we get to what happened and what your experience was like out there in Pasadena, tell us a little bit about your family's operation and what Nyman Ranch is in case some of our listeners aren't familiar with it. Yeah, good morning. Um, so my family, uh, I guess my dad kind of started with this Nyman Ranch um, experience. Um, you're shy of, I believe, 20 years ago. So uh, Nyman Ranch is um, an all-natural, um, antibiotic-free, like free, I wouldn't say, well, free-range way of, of raising pork. Uh, we are independent farmers. We just happen to market through um, the Nyman Ranch program. Um so one of the big things are, um, you know, deeply bedded pens, um, access to feed and water at all times. And then again, like I said, no antibiotics, no um, animal byproducts um, or anything like that in the feed. And um, I know Nyman's, um, their goal, I guess, is to produce the best tasting, finest tasting meat in the world. And um, I will say that I'm biased, but I, I believe it truly is. It definitely makes a difference in how you care for an animal and how, uh, the, how the product ends up initially in the, in the end. So, um, but we've done this here, like I said, just shy of 20 years. We are a, um, we are a finished operation. So we get them when they're little guys and feed them out and ship them off to, uh, the packing plant in Sioux Center, Iowa. So, um, we, we're kind of, I guess, I wouldn't say experts at this point, but we've, uh, definitely learned a couple things along the way and, um, done some things like that. So, um, that is my, I guess, brief explanation as far as what we do. Well, that is pretty cool, Kelsey. Now, tell us, how did you get selected to ride on a float in the Rose Bowl out of all the producers that, uh, that Nyman Ranch has across the country? Um, well, to be honest with you, I'm still kind of asking myself that question, too. But um, so Chipotle and Nyman have, um, they have had a relationship over the past, I believe it's just shy of about maybe 20 years. Um, they buy or Chipotle buys a pork shoulder from, from Nyman ranch, um, for their carnitas, which I had the opportunity to try when I was out in California and I will say very delicious, but, um, they approached us, um, as in, I guess my family and then the Martison family, which is over in Elliott, just east of here. Um, about wanting to come out to our farms and, and do some, you know, kind of get some shots and do some interviews and kind of check everything out. So um, they have used Ron Farm at the Martison um, for different tours and stuff. They are the they are the farrowers and they farrow out in pastures. So they have the little A-frames and uh, just kind of a really neat little scene. And we've also been used for different tours and, and things like that too at our place because we are so close to uh, the airport in Omaha, Nebraska. So um, that's part of it, but not quite all of it. Um, but what the main, their main goal with 2020, I know with Chipotle is raising awareness for um, kind of like the young farmers crisis that we have here, you know, in the United States, the, the average age of a, farmer in the United States is 58 years old, so um, your people are looking more like the gray-haired or white-haired guys like my dad, um, and just kind of raising awareness and kind of setting the stage for um, how hard and difficult it is for 
young farmers such as, um, you know, my brother, um, who are just getting started, you know, fresh out of college. Um, obviously, most of us have student debt coming out of school on top with just kind of trying to get life together, uh, let alone trying to get an operating loan or loan from the bank to raise pigs or feed cattle or whatever your passion is. But um, with with that, um, they they asked if we would be willing to do some interviews and stuff because we were, um, my brother and I both and the Martin kids were um, scholarship recipients for the Nyman Ranch Next Generation Foundation Scholarships, um, which every year Nyman um, gives out scholar, you know, scholarships for college-age students. Um, so I know that my brother and I are very blessed over the last couple of years when we were in school to um, be recipients of those because, you know, every little bit counts. But um, Chipotle kind of got some names and our names got thrown in the hat. And that's really cool, Kelsey. I, I want to just... So there were obviously a lot of people on Facebook commenting, and most of the comments I read were were pretty supportive of just agriculture mm-hmm. and Chipotle, but there were still some people that I would say were probably farmers or from farm families. But, mm-hmm. you know, there was that time a while back when a lot of farmers especially were kind of anti-Chipotle because of some of the commercials that they put out and some of the stuff they put out about agriculture. And I know it kind of made a lot of people in the industry upset. Did did they offer any comments on that or any reason to why now their tunes are kind of changing? Um, I don't have a lot as far as to comment on that. Um, but I, I will say they have kind of changed their direction as far as, um, as far as that, as far as that goes. I mean, I know in the past, Chipotle has, you know, given, left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, um, especially farmers and producers. I, you know, that's something that I am aware of. Um, I guess I'm choosing to focus on, you know, the positive things that are, that, that I guess that they're trying to bring to light in this instance. So I think good PR is, is you know, great, of course, and anything that can um, kind of bring some of these issues to light in a positive way is, is you know, is awesome. So, but I, I'll be honest, I don't have a lot to say about them in this instance just because I, I honestly don't have all of the details or the, the facts, so to speak. So. Yeah, well, and to that end, I mean, part of the promotion there at the Rose Bowl was that Chipotle will donate a dollar to help farmers. And do you know what what is what are they planning to do to help farmers? How is that money going to be spent? Did they fill you in on any of that? Um, yes, they did. Um, and I, again, I don't have all of the details straight. I know that if you go to Chipotle's website, um, which you can find um, mine and my brother's nice mug shots on there, if you go to their um I believe it's like their farmers um, section of the page. Um, they do have plans for um, some of the funds and some of the things that they're doing, that they're planning on doing over the next couple of years um, as far as awareness and funds and helping young farmers essentially maybe get their feet planted a little bit. Um, Nyman Ranch as well. Um, if you go to their website, they do have a blog where um, there's a couple of little parts about um, – kind of the Rose Bowl parade as, as a whole, which is, I know, kind of what we're talking about, but also the initiative that they are working with Chipotle on. So um, you can get a lot of really good information on their website. Awesome. Well, we will encourage people to check that out. Kelsey, the, really the last question I wanted to ask you is just not really about agriculture, but just tell us what the experience was like to be part of the Rose Bowl parade, because I think that's probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity not many of our listeners will probably ever get to have. 
Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around the whole thing that's happened over the past couple of days, but, um, I, first of all, encourage anyone and any, everyone and anyone to attend the rose, you know, the parade of roses, um, at least once in your lifetime, if you can, it's, it's absolutely incredible the amount of energy and the culture and the, just all of the work that go into building these floats. Um, they're built in these giant warehouses in Pasadena, um, and they're kind of planned a year in advance um, as the theme of the parade gets chosen. This year's was the the Power of Hope, which is where um, kind of Chipotle's theme tied in with you know the young farmers and things like that, which was um, I know went over really well with a lot of the judges. Um, nope, it's it was a really early day. Um, we were really tired afterwards. Um, Left, we had to leave our hotel at about 3 a.m. Um, out there in California um, and then kind of waited around and the floats travel along um, a route and it takes them a very long time to get there as they only go about three or four miles per hour. Um, they kind of strapped us on to the floats on these, you know, these belted things just to kind of make sure you don't fall off or anything like that. Um, but it was a lot of smiling and waving and I'll be honest, my I think my cheeks are still sore from uh, from smiling and squinting so much. So, um, but it was a perfect day. No wind. The, the sunshine was great. And I'll be honest with you, guys, we were sweating in those Carhartt coats by the end of uh, the parade because it's a lot warmer in California than it is in Iowa. So, um, <laughs> but it, it was incredible. Everyone was super nice, um, and I just I can't believe the number of volunteers and the number of hours and um, how smoothly everything runs, you know, there's, um, I, I don't know exactly how many volunteers help put on the parade, but I mean, I've never seen something ran so, um, so like effortlessly and was kind of out any issues or anything. So you can tell that they've been doing it for a long time. That is fantastic. It's so cool to see agriculture represented and it was really neat to, to see you on the float. Kelsey, Kelsey Cruz, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Well, that is just really cool. It's interesting and neat to see Chipotle maybe turning over a new leaf here and working with agriculture instead of maybe against agriculture like they've previously been uh, assumed to do, Mike. Yeah, I've got to say I'm I'm not yet on Team Chipotle. I have never eaten at a Chipotle. I'm not yet inspired to, but I like to see what they're doing. And talking to Kelsey, you know, a, a good Iowa producer, doing what they need to do to make things work for their operation, finding those niche markets, uh, that's a great thing. So hopefully maybe Chipotle will come off the dark side, they'll stop criticizing GMOs, and I'll feel comfortable spending some money with them. Absolutely. Well, if listeners want to hear other thoughts that I have and that Delaney has, they can hear all of our past episodes by going to our website. Go to agnewsdaily.com, and you can get caught up on everything there. You can also get connected to all of the other podcasts that are part of the Global Ag Network. There's fantastic work there to help you fill your time. Also, Check us out on the Internet. Send us your thoughts. What stories do we need to be covering? What interesting folks in agriculture need to be on the podcast? Let us know. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Ag News Daily, and we'll be there. With that, Delaney, should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.